I'm Jonathan. And I'm David. And welcome to our podcast, Father to Son, building a Christian rock collection. Each episode, we'll discuss a classic Christian rock album and decide if it merits a place in our rock collection. We have a series of rigorous tests performed today, so let's get digging. Welcome to the next episode of Father to Son. Back today with David. Hello. And uh, we are going to be tackling Petra's On Fire. First, we have some feedback. We don't really have any corrections, which feels kind of good. Hey, yeah. First time for everything. If we did make some mistakes, no one's pointed them out to us, so we're going to pretend like they didn't happen. Right. You're all too kind. Yeah. And uh, we encourage you, again, we do have a Facebook page, Father to Son, so search for that and join the community. We post each episode and then a place for people to have conversations and have feedback and tell us what they like and what, what they didn't like. And so a um, little bit of feedback that came in, some via Facebook and others through other methods. Right. So uh, first of all, David, um, Uncle Ben says that we owe him an apology because Broadway Mary is great and he loves it. Oh, really? So, um, so for what it's worth, but uh, get that in there. Thanks for uh, my brother Ben. Thanks for listening and and giving us some feedback and letting us know what you thought. Um, and then secondly, got to talk to my brother Keith, your uncle Keith. As I mentioned, big influence on me as the older brother who brought so much music into the house. And and remind me how he was connected to fireworks. Well. He was in a band, and while they were touring with his band First Love, they opened for Fireworks. That's right. On Fireworks' final uh, tour. Gotcha. You know, Keith kind of ad- admitted, he said, first of all, we were a little too kind. Because <laughs> uh, he says, you know, Fireworks are not great musicians, mm-hmm. you know, but they did what they did well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, so a lot of his love for that album and for live Fireworks, he says, is just nostalgia. Being sure. a late teen, early 20s, mm-hmm. and... Um, You know, just kind of what he wanted to be as well, wanting to be involved in music ministry. So, uh, and you know, I would have to probably agree as well. I I probably esteem the the musicians a little bit more highly than he does, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. That's what this is all about. But I would agree, it's a nostalgia thing. It's being at that age and listening to that music. I mean, I think a bit of that too. You know, like saying none of the musicians are uh, absolutely incredible. I mean, I don't consider myself an absolutely incredible musician, and Uh I think that's part of. What I really like with that song, like or that album, is I can really see myself playing. Yes, along. yeah, like, yeah, I could play that. You yeah, know, yeah. I uh, some you know I can't necessarily see myself as the bassist of Striper or uh-huh, you know uh-huh. playing drums for Striper. Or, you, you can know, play like, bass for Striper. I can probably yeah, the bass, bass, the bass yeah. lines aren't that hard. You're but probably not going to or, step in for Getty Lee anytime soon. No, no. Or, or, or sing you know step in for Michael Sweet on vocals. Right, you know, right, but. Yeah. Um, or to yeah. say in the Christian world, uh, Rick Kua. Yeah. You're not going to play Rick Kua's bass lines. Right. No. Um, so yeah. I think cause that's definitely something I do when I listen, for me, listen to music is I tend to think of myself, okay, if I was playing that, what would I play? Yeah. Or how would I do things differently? What would I do? And I think with fireworks, it's a lot of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a song, and it's on their live album, whether we'll get to that or not. Um, they have a song called Toll Free. And it's a really simple song. Okay. And I taught myself that song, and I could sing it. It was in my range. I sang lower than sure. Marty McCall. Yeah. But I remember just how much fun it was that I could play a song yeah. that was mm-hmm. recorded by a real musician. Right. You know. So yeah, some of that nostalgia. Uh, we had another feedback. So uh, what else did you hear? Our friend uh, Alex Anhall um, really related to us that 
you know, our audience is growing, and uh, which is a, it's a great thing. You know, more people think that we're at least mildly interesting. We appreciate that. Um, but not everyone is as music adjacent as we are. Okay. Um, though neither of us are exceptional musicians, we are both related to exceptional musicians. And I think uh, we get a lot of our terminology and a lot of our the ways that we analyze music from them. And I'm not, I don't want to stop doing that. I think that's what this podcast is about. But uh, Alex suggested that um, we could do other things that might be more relatable, but still analysis. So Alex suggested looking at lyrics a bit more, uh, which is definitely something we want to do. Um, I think Petra's a great place to start with that, as we're doing today. And um, I know we want to talk about, um, there's a couple of these I want to talk about the song titles. Um, I, I have some some stories with those. So, uh, yes, if you uh, out there have been thinking, man, I uh, really like this podcast, but it gets a little too music-y for me sometimes, well, hopefully this podcast episode will be for you. Yeah, and I do want to bring out some lyrical things in this one, some of the messages. Also, a little bit of commentary on that. So mm-hmm. I have not have not teased this with you even. Okay. So you don't know what we're going to talk about, so it'll be interesting. Uh, all right. This did remind me of one thing I did want to bring up, because we we are kind of hard on Marty's lyrics. Yeah. Okay. He does have one really great line okay. in No Strings. The lyrics go, It's no line, I'm all tied up in your No Strings love. Okay. It's no line, uh-huh. I'm all tied up tied in up. your No Strings love. Using that metaphor uh-huh. three different ways, yeah. and yet fitting together, and I'm like, that's really good. That's pretty lyrical neat. writing. That's pretty so, neat. Um, I did want to bring that out because I was like, uh, you know what? Yeah, that okay. was really really clever, and we kept harping on some of the other choices. Makes up for the veto. Makes up for the presidential <laughs> yeah. veto. So. Okay, let's uh, get right into this because. Um, this might be a long one, and I'm going to have to edit it down. So <laughs> we're going to jump into the archaeological dig, and David's going to bring that to us today. So we are looking at Petra today, uh, but Petra has quite a long uh, history, uh, quite a long history of being around, being on the map. Um, they are currently still touring. I think I saw them on their 50th anniversary tour. That was last year. Last year's 50th so anniversary. Now they're, yeah, so there, there are a new incarnation of the band. Right. We're not going to cover the entirety of the band, uh, especially years before the 21st century. Um, we have kind of three distinct eras of the band. And just so, you know, to kind of tease a little bit, we will be getting songs or albums from at least one from each of the eras. Oh, absolutely. So if we do too much now, then we're going to have nothing to talk about next time. Exactly. Yeah, our third period here. So we have, um, after Greg Volz announces his departure from Petra, um, rumors started to spur that, you know, Petra's going to break up. Um, instead... Um, Bob Hartman brings in John Schlitt, formerly from Head East, uh, which I quite like Head East. And we have I, I love albums, Head East. You know, if, I love Head East. If you like some good Southern rock, um, I think it, I Midwest think rock. Midwest rock. Yeah. Midwest rock. Because they're yeah. they are another band from Indiana. Sure. So yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah. If you like that kind of feel, it's good fun music. Uh, I, I encourage you to check it out. We probably won't cover it on this podcast, but um, no, no, probably not. But Head East is fun. I know we really like uh, Flat as a Pancake's a fun one. But anyways, um, so with Petra, um, around 1986, we have Back to the Street. Uh, so this is our um, first album with Schlitt. 
um, as our new lead vocalist. And yeah, pretty good success, actually. Um, and a lot of critics tend to see this as the beginning of Petra's peak. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Back to the Street, we have This Means War, which I think is your favorite Petra album. Certainly my favorite from the John Schlitt years. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain that This Means War is the first Petra that you showed me. On Fire is not my introduction to Petra, but I'll get more to that later. Um, so yeah, This Means War, and it was just, it felt a little uneven to me. Okay. I liked some songs, some songs were just a little out there. Um, I've come to appreciate it more, mm-hmm. but first time I heard it, uh, wasn't great. Um, but one thing that this, this means war really brings into, it has a lot of this spiritual warfare imagery. Obviously mm-hmm. this means war. Right, um, we right. have songs like, you know, get on your knees and fight like a man, you know, and, and we get songs about being a Christian, getting, being involved in the Christian life and what it really means to be at war with Satan against the world. Uh, it was very, it was very timely. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't tend to get a lot of music like that today, but for the late eighties, um, it made sense. So after this means war, uh, we get into On Fire, which is our uh, album for today. Um, so Petra started getting more involved with groups like Compassion International and um, became more politically, uh, I don't want to say politically involved, but certainly a political advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I think we'll see in our, our last track today, um, Homeless Few, is certainly off the top of my head the most political song mm-hmm. that Petra has but again it's very much in this spiritual warfare mindset um, we have yeah we, we'll see more I, I don't want to get too far into it as we do the track by track we'll, we'll get more into the specific songs to do that but again very successful um, this was the album that garnered the, the band its first Dove Award um, for the long form music video of the year in 1990 uh, and it's fifth consecutive Grammy nomination for its studio offerings. So. And, and, you know, I might add, sorry, I'm yeah, jumping on your archaeology take. It is a crime mm. that Petra did not get a Dove Award yeah, until On Fire. Until On Fire, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but understand the Dove did not really have uh, categories for things like this mm-hmm. early on. Right. So there was really no room... Uh, for Christian Rock mm-hmm. in the Dove Awards, you know. Um, and even though they played on, you know, some, and you would see, and Striper played at the Dove Awards one yeah. time. You oh, can yeah. actually find it online. Yeah. Um, but they would play, and half of the attendees would refuse to applaud. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was still a great deal of division over whether or not rock and roll had, rock and roll had any place in gospel music. Sure. So... You know, um, but yeah, so CCM magazine uh, said that On Fire was the crunchiest Petra sound yet, uh, which I think I would agree with that. Uh, it also said that uh, first two tracks are the most exciting eight minutes of rock Petra mm-hmm. has ever put to that's, tape. That's, that's pretty good. That's, that's also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think I would agree with that. Um, so depending on where you cut this third era, this would be 1988. Um, I would go a little bit farther just because I don't think we're going to do the next few albums at any point. Um, so we have our Petra Praise, The Rock Cries Out. It's it's fun. It is a fun. It, and particularly in 1989. If you liked... As a youth leader at that time, yes. it was a very fun album mm-hmm. with a very fresh take on worship music. Right, yeah. If you love... If you have any um, nostalgia for worship music in the late 1980s, early 1990s, um, you'll 
yeah, there's two Petra Praise albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting those two together, uh, I do put those on sometimes. We, uh, you know, I re- growing up in the early 2000s and, you know, church music tends to be behind a decade or two. Um, you know, a number of these I sang in Sunday school. Uh-huh. And, you know, so I still have lots of, uh, lots of nostalgia even for some of these songs. Uh, then we have Beyond Belief in 1990. Which um, we both really love, Beyond mm-hmm. Belief. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's very difficult to find on vinyl. Yeah. So I think it's only European it, release, right? I think so. Yeah. And they've, they um, have them now, uh, Girder does. Oh, okay. But right now they're releasing it in like a trio of albums. Uh, so I'm kind of waiting for them to break it up. And, sure. Because I would like to get Beyond Belief and Unseen Power. I, yeah. I have very little interest in Wake Up Call. Yeah, so, so Unseen Power and Wake Up Call, I would lump those two together. I think that Beyond Belief kept a lot of what made On Fire really good sure. with a lot of its more rock feel. I think Unseen Power, Unseen Power and Wake Up Call, I, I don't know. They, they lost something. Well, they were trying to, I think, like a lot of bands chase after uh, the modern rock zeitgeist. Yeah. And to me, if you were an eighties band and you were trying to sound like a nineties band, you probably didn't do it very well. Yeah. You know? So no, I, I think that's fair. I have them on CD. Mm. I enjoy listening to them. Um, but they're, in my opinion, Petra had peaked Mm -hmm. at this point. And then Bob Hartman decides to stop touring. Mm hmm. Um, and that is kind of seen as sort of the end of it end of this era mm-hmm. we have a couple more albums where bob is um supposedly still writing music for the band that's still going out and touring but he's not really involved he's i like think he was them. still recording he's still recording with them yeah. yeah um but in my opinion it's a very different sound mm-hmm. once we get to this point i don't know if at any point we'll go through it and just because it's Petra, if we'll do any of these later albums. Well, if we're sticking to vinyl, we won't. Yeah, if we're sticking so. to vinyl, we won't. On Fire is kind of where we're where we're drawing the line. Um, in my opinion, that is the peak, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, we lead up to that. That's as high as we get, and then we kind of go down from there. Okay. We'll cover more of the earlier stuff in the future. If that's your favorite place of Petra, don't worry. We will get there. Well, I'm going to add a quick, couple oh, quick things, if it. you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. So, um... I had found this interesting. Um, Bob Hartman and John Schlitt had found each other, had met each other before on a plane. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, here's the thing is, they're both touring bands in the 70s in the Midwest. Right. Right? And you think of them as in two entirely different worlds. Sure. Because, you know, Head East, uh, John Schlitt was famously fired from Head East because his drug use got out of hand. Oh, goodness. Okay. And then he becomes a Christian, uh-huh. steps away from music entirely, sure. and he gets this call from Bob, mm. you know, several years later, gotcha. right? And, um, you know, he felt that God told him to surrender his music, hmm. you know? And then God said, all right, you're ready, you know? So he comes back to it. Yeah. Um, but to think of that, that here are these two bands, you know, mm-hmm. that are inhabiting the same space in the early to mid-70s. Mm-hmm. And they knew about each other. Yeah. And we find this, so I don't want to get into all the different places where this happens, but you find this in the Midwest 
where there is a Midwest rock culture and these bands, Christian, non-Christian, it's that they knew each other. Sure. You know, they knew of each other. Mm -hmm. And we find that with Greg Vols as well, yeah. you know. So his name comes up in relation to other Midwest bands and maybe singing with them, you mm -hmm. know. So a little bit extra archaeology there. Right. So let's move on to the geological study, shall we? Yeah. Okay. You first? Sure. Why not? Right. Um, as we've kind of hinted at uh, a couple different times, this was the first Petra album that I really fell in love with. Mm. Um, I, um, when I started homeschooling, uh, was when I really started listening to records a lot more. And I found it on fire. And if you haven't yet looked up the album art for this album... You need to. You need to pause the podcast right now. <laughs> I'll give you a moment and look up the album art uh, because it, it's really cool. Especially mm. if you're, you know, a fourteen year old boy, uh, it's it's really cool. That's the one that you gravitate towards. Sure. I pulled out on fire. This got me enough of my hard rock fix. Um, there were certainly there are a few songs to skip. I'm, s I'm sure that I walked up and moved the needle to get over first love, uh, but for a lot of other songs, um, just really drives through it in a lot of the same way that I really liked Striper, because um, even when you have some songs that don't necessarily have you know killer guitar intros or anything, it still has that inexorable feeling where it's just moving, moving, moving. Um, in just that heavier rock. Mm -hmm. So I listened to On Fire a lot. Um, really enjoyed this album. And then after I enjoyed this one, then I sort of worked backwards through Petra. And I started listening, uh, you know, uh, This Means War. Uh, I had to warm up to more power to you. But, uh, you know, I had started listening to more of these other albums to find the bits and pieces that I really liked. I remember loving Captured. Mm -hmm. um, I think I have it Captured now. You do. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I think you got it for me a little bit ago. Um, so yeah, since then, I, I've come to really appreciate uh, a lot of Petra. I still think I haven't listened to everything. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of There's Petra. a lot of Petra lot of out there. <laughs> so yeah, I picked On Fire. It's my favorite. Um, well, sometime when you're home. Sometime when I'm home. You know, I've got everything from the very first album all the way to On Fire on vinyl. Do you have a full so collection? I do now? have a full collection. Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, let's see. From 73 is when they recorded it to 88. So, sure. you know, 15 years of, yeah. of albums. And for a right. while, they're putting out, a, in the 80s, an album a year. Sure. So. Oh, and I forgot now. I, um, just remembering from different songs, I there was a, a short time when Corey and I, our, our special guest from last episode, uh, he and I were going to community college together. And we would drive in uh, in the mornings and put on the radio. And a radio station that we would listen to on Thursdays, we always do Throwback Thursdays. Okay. And they put on a song from classic Christian rock. Okay. And I remember them playing Stand in the Gap. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I can't remember the timeline exactly, but I think that was part of what, man, I really like this song. What album's that on? Uh -huh. It's on On Fire. Oh, that okay. one looks pretty cool. Interesting. And I think that was what really got me into it. Uh, I can't remember the name of the radio station now. I don't think it's on the air anymore. But um, yeah, Stand in the Gap is still one of my favorite Petra songs. Uh, I just remember listening to that. And um, yeah, I think that one... I know we've talked about nostalgia sometimes, mm -hmm. and I think that one's absolutely stood the test of time. Um, we'll get more into it later, but I think you could, you know, maybe uh, change up the instrumentation a bit. But I think you could absolutely play that one today. Okay. Um, 
and yeah it's 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 not as bound to kind of 80s arena rock metal as some of the other songs are true it's a, it's a bit more of just a a, a good composition but yeah. we don't want to ruin too much don't ruin too much <laughs> we still have to say things about it later yeah yeah well for me um and again i'm not gonna give my whole history because as we mentioned we will be doing more petra right there's no doubt about it so um but petra is a band i saw a lot sure. live I will say that my very first Petra album was More Power To Ya, okay. um, and then would buy every album as it came out, okay. you know, and then bought some in going backwards the other direction as well, and I would see them. I saw them on every tour hmm. from More Power To Ya, certainly up through On Fire, okay. and I can remember each tour, where I saw it, you know, the the, the venue, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes even who I went with. Interestingly, as much as I went to Christian festivals, I didn't catch Petra at the festivals. At the festivals. They didn't do festivals as much. Really? Um, you know, they were, they, and I think there's a couple reasons. Okay. One, they were traditionally clearly an evangelical band. And you're sure. not necessarily going to be preaching to the lost yeah. at a Christian festival, yeah. right? So it didn't necessarily fit with, I think, their mission. Yeah. Now, they did change mission, and that kind of leads us into this album, mm-hmm. where they started to realize that most people who were buying their albums were youth group kids. Yeah. So they started to write messages more to the youth group kid, yeah. you know, and not so much. Now, I think in the 70s, um, there was much more of a, a non-believer audience, mm-hmm. you know, but that kind of started to change through the 80s. Yeah. Um, but so I went to this mom and I, right? Your your mother yeah. <laughs> and I went to this concert. We were in college. Uh, they played at the Kellogg Arena in Battle Creek. Okay. Um, the stage because they had nice stages, mm-hmm. right? Now you could say, well, because they had money. Well, they almost went bankrupt after the Beat the System tour. Okay. It was extremely expensive sure. to put on, and they weren't covering their costs. Gotcha. Um, so they had started to scale back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one thing that Petra used to do kind of uniquely is when you looked at the stage, drummer was not center. Okay. Okay. Drummer would be, uh, Louis would be off to the left as you looked at the stage. Sure. And then John Lowry would be off to the right center, and they both would be up. Okay. Right? And John Lowry would have his rack of keyboards. Uh-huh. Now, of course, he also had a homemade um, a guitar. Oh. He didn't have... He didn't actually have a, a Korg. He had one that he built himself nice. before the Keytars came out. Really? Um, and so he would hop down and play that from time to time, but then he'd also be up there on his rack. Um, and then they would have usually some sort of ramp or something down hmm. through the middle. So on that tour, the ramp was a giant sword, just <laughs> like the cover of the album. That's really cool. And... Uh, John Schlitt was in a big band, mm-hmm. Head East. Now they yeah. were not the you know, Journey Sticks type band, but they, sure. but they had some hits, yeah. right? And they played at least the mid-size arenas. Yeah. So he knew how to work a crowd. Sure. You know, and I can still remember him kind of standing on that sword and looking out into the crowd, and he makes big gestures with his hands because he understands I've got to get people involved in the back. Sure. You know, and. Um, and then we headed from there to your, your grandpa and grandma Coneses who were living in the South Bend area at the time, yeah. and we had car problems. Oh. And it took us probably an hour longer to get there because the car just kept stalling out on us, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, fun, fun, fun. But I remember <laughs> that. I remember that concert. <laughs> remember that trip uh, so well. Um, and it was great. You know, it was great seeing them live so yeah. many times. Sure. Um, did want to talk also just, we already talked about the background of John Schlitt in mm -hmm. terms of being involved with Head East. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Bob Hartman, been in Petra since the early 70s. Louis Weaver, uh, primarily he's known for Petra. Yeah. You know, he was with Fireworks for an album and a tour, but, you know, really he was uh, the Petra guy. Right. John Lowry had a kind of a career before that. Mm -hmm. And the career before that was he played with Joe English's band. Oh, really? And um, so um, now John Schlick, mm -hmm. who was the keyboard player before John Lowry, got a lot of Johns. <laughs> Popular name. Um, he was a great keyboard player as well. Sure. But Lowry was a soloist. Gotcha. You know, and he really is an exceptional uh, keyboard player. Yeah. Um, Joe English had surrounded himself by really good musicians. You sure. Know. He was filling in for John Slick as John had left the band. So Lowry comes in while they're touring for um, uh, Out of This World, and they're on the European tour. Hmm. And he's not an official member of the band yet. Okay. But somewhere, and I forget where, but somewhere in Switzerland, mm -hmm. he, he decides that, yeah, I want to join the band. Okay. You know, and then he, he stays with it from there. Hmm. So um, I don't know the background for Ronnie Cates. Mm -hmm. Don't know if he did anything before that. Not anybody that I had heard of or come across in Christian music. Sure. So. All right. Um, that's probably does it for, for this one for now. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and get into our strata analysis. Talk about an album opener. That's oh, definitely a very good album opener. Absolutely. Um, lets you know what this album is going to be about. Mm -hmm. You know, I know we've talked about some other albums <clears throat> where maybe the first song was misleading or, you know, no, I think this absolutely sets the tone for the album. Um, and, you know, you'll notice if you look at the track listing, there is no song called On Fire. There's not. But. But we are starting with a fire song. Yes, it talks about fire. Yes, yes. Um, it gets you all fired up. It does exactly what it says on the tin, and 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly what it says on the tin. You know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, this is a great album. Uh, I think this would be a great workout album. I think mm-hmm. it's a great early morning album, Driving to Work. Um, this really just does it for me. I think it's such a fun song. I think it's really well done. It's fairly simple, but I think it's great. Love mm-hmm. it. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is, um, as you already said, it's a great album opener. I do think that... Uh, Bob Hartman is a great songwriter. Yeah. And he is primarily the songwriter for Petra and mm-hmm. was for the entirety of their career. Sure. He comes up with really good riffs. Mm. And I think that when you're talking about a rock band, you got to have a good riff. Yeah. And he does that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, it just is, is crunchy, it's moving. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think you need to bring up on this album is the influence of the Elefantes on yes. this album. absolutely. And this is not the first album that the Elefantes did with them. Uh, this is mm-hmm. now, I think, the third album. Yeah. They actually were the producers on Back to the Street as well, although okay. that does not have as much Elefante sound, sound to it. Yeah, I agree. But by this point, mm-hmm. this is right in what Elefantes were doing yeah. for... Uh, Baron Cross, mm-hmm. what they were doing for Guardian. Yeah, yeah, Guardian. Yeah, you know, Mastodon's their band, but mm-hmm. same sort of thing. Big arena rock. Yeah. You know, and they know how to pull that out. Uh, the backup vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on in the band's career, Bob Hartman sang backup vocals. Mm-hmm. He does not have an arena rock voice. Yeah. Right? He's not singing backup vocals anymore. Right. Right? Pretty much it's uh, John Alfante. It's. Lowry is, uh-huh. is singing on it, and then they bring in uh, some outside people, Bob Carlyle, who used to be in Allies, etc. Gotcha. So they bring in um, top-notch singers, you right. know, also for that. They always have really interesting uh, kind of A and B sections, yeah. you know, to their songs. Um, usually a good bridge, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that all that kind of comes together very well. Yeah. And I think part of that is really good songwriting and then also uh elefante's producing helping to make sure the arrangements are there yeah um and lyrically it's it's solid Mm -hmm. um and one thing that petra did at least for this time i don't know if they always did it but i know that early on they weren't doing this but in these middle years they would always put scripture verses yeah so this is where we're getting these songs Mm -hmm. you know they were very biblically based yeah um in a time when maybe some other artists were Trying to be a little more coy with their lyrics, maybe yeah. looking for some crossover success, something like that. Um, Petra's like, no, we're we're still going to uh, be in your face. As a matter of fact, we're gonna hit you where you live. Yeah. Song number two, and you might be thinking we have a concept album here. Sure. Because <laughs> the album's called On Fire. Right. The first song is All Fired Up. Mm-hmm. Now we're on Hit You Where You Live. 
And yet, in the interlude, he yes. says, "Hey, on fire!" On fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at at this point, we are going to pretty much leave the fire behind. Yeah. But um, although the songs are on fire, oh yeah, all, all the way through, yeah. pretty much. But anyways, uh, kind of interesting. Uh-huh. I did want to say, uh, talk about John Schlick for a little bit. Okay. So. Uh, his vocal delivery mm-hmm. is definitely a little bit of that raspy, mm-hmm. harder rock sound. Yeah. You know, and um, Greg Vols, which was the vocalist before this, uh, fantastic singer. Yeah. Holy cow, could this mm-hmm. guy sing, you mm-hmm. know, and he still sounds great. Yeah. Um, but he is more of a pure singer. Yeah. You know, there is, he can sing high and there's like no distortion in his voice whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, John Schlick brings a little bit of that raspy, a little bit of that distortion, which if it's done properly, it's not unhealthy. Right. You know, there's a, there's a right way to do that. Mm-hmm. And I do think it really works for this style of music. Yeah. You know, um, it's just the perfect sound. I mm-hmm. mean, that, that opening guitar riff. Absolutely. And then launching into the vocals. Everything's really coming together beautifully here. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about with the keyboards is you get great keyboard accompaniment, I think is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. These are still guitar-driven songs, but the keyboard is doing things that go alongside it, mm-hmm. that go with it. You know, it, it's Now, for a little bit on um, earlier on Beat the System... It was a bit more keyboard driven, mm-hmm. you know, but they've returned to what Petra is, which is guitar rock, mm-hmm. right? And that's what that's what they did. That's what they did really, really well. And then bring alongside a really good piano player, a really good keyboard player, a really good synth player to add some texture and so forth, you know, some color to it. Mm-hmm. And I think it works really well. I think it fits together really nicely. Mm-hmm. One last thing, and then I'll let you talk about sure. this one. To my knowledge, other than perhaps God Gave Rock and Roll to you, this mm-hmm. is one of the few times where you have at least the music written by somebody else. Sure. And this is John Alfonte and Billy Smiley. Right. Billy Smiley, we mentioned on the Christian uh, album, was from Whiteheart. Uh-huh. Um, so this is not a music side. This is not a Bob Hartman penned song. He did right. the lyrics. He did the words, yeah. Um, but he did not do the music. Mm-hmm. That surprises me because this fits in perfectly. No, you wouldn't guess that. With what Petra, this was this was Petra sound. Yeah. And probably, you know, Billy Smiley had this song and it's like, you know, this isn't really right for Whiteheart. Yeah. You know, um, which Whiteheart, you know, definitely incorporated keyboards even more because they sure. had two keyboard players. Yeah. Um, so, you know, said, hey, you guys want to do this song? You know, and Billy Smiley, if you Pay attention, Billy Smiley wrote songs for everybody from Sandy Patty mm-hmm. to Jeff Moore to Petra. You know, he was a songwriter, and sure. if it wasn't right for his band, you know, he'd move it on to somebody else. else. Yeah, yeah. I know we mentioned that uh, Petra would associate scripture verses. If you remember when we post this to Facebook, we ought to take a picture mm. of the um, insert. That's just a good to, idea. You know, just kind of, you can see, literally, we'd have you know, the title of the song, words and music, uh, you know, authors, and then scripture verses, and then the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the songs, especially on this album, really invite you to study more. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't give you the whole message up front. 
Uh, and I think Hit You Where You Live is another one of those where you could definitely listen to the whole song and finish it, and it's like, okay, I don't actually have a clue what that song was about. You, you, uh, yeah, you would. <laughs> you could be singing along. Yes. And not realizing and, what and, you're singing. Right. Yeah. Hit You Where You Live, you know, you might, or you want to change with all your might. You want to do what's right in his sight. Uh, it's his delight to give you your desire. It's his desire to set your life on fire. Um, and, you know, it's about this uh, struggling to live the reality of the first song. And I think mm-hmm. that's your continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's not a concept album. We don't have that strong continuity with all the songs. But I think at least these first two, first two yeah. you get two yeah. sides of the same coin, where if All Fired Up is an ideal, Hit You Where You Live tends to be where we're at. Uh, we don't tend to be on fire all the mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Hit You Where You Live is uh, about conviction. Mm-hmm. And conviction from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit um, wants to bring us back into this on fire relationship. Right. Uh, right. Back into this um, uh, spot of being on fire. You know. And so the song ends, A lost and dying world is dying to know that he lives. The only way they'll know what he has to give is when we're hit where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of very deep stuff in here. And I want, I want to get onto that, uh, with a few other songs too. This is a prime example where we see Petra writing more to a Christian audience. Yeah. Right. So writing to Christian teens who maybe aren't feeling it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you go to the concert and you get hyped up and you get excited about God and then mm-hmm. you go back to school. Right. Right. And, um, but that's where you live. You don't live at the concert. Right. You live at school, mm-hmm. you know? And when God's love affects you there, mm-hmm. that's when things can start to happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, going back to that quote that you used in your intro, the eight most exciting moments, minutes uh-huh. in Christian rock or yeah. something. This is a great one-two punch. Oh, yeah. You know, without a doubt, you're, mm-hmm. you're off and running, and you're like, I know what this album's going to be about. Right? Yeah. And, um, and, and they're not letting up. No. Right? So why don't we get right into Minefield? Absolutely. Absolutely love this track. Um, it's you know talk about um, these songs that just keep moving, and I think that is really what drives home these two solos. You know, we have a synth solo, and we have a guitar solo, and I've talked with some other songs, some other albums where we have a piano break or a synth break, and it doesn't quite do it for me. I think this is how 
all synth solos <laughs> with really hard guitars, bass and drums underneath, uh-huh. keeping that rock hard groove. And then we had the synth on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's done really well so that, you know, for me, as someone who's not a synth player, I can still appreciate the overall sound of what's going on. Yeah, besides that, you might not notice if you're not familiar with the song, but coming out of the gu- that guitar solo, we do get into a key change, actually. We are in a step higher um, than we were last time we did the chorus, and that was something I noted on Striper. Um, the I always think I'm always very impressed by um, someone who is on you know leads worship teams is on worship teams. I know how difficult it can be to get a key change off without a hitch um, with you know a group of musicians and yeah it just to do it coming out of a solo. I'm always super impressed by that. So to see it happen here, um, that just again I think. Knowing me, and, and you know, the more you listen to these podcasts, the more I think you'll get a sense for our specific tastes, mm-hmm. you know, for um, father, father and son. And if we set to hell with the devil as sort of my uh, platonic ideal of a, of a, <laughs> of a classic <laughs> Christian rock album, uh-huh. I think you see a lot of similarities okay. into this album. And these, this is how this became my gateway into Petra's little things like that that oh this reminds me of that other thing i really like Mm -hmm. um so it's repeating myself quite a lot but i'm just trying to bring you all those connections and so maybe if you need your gateway into petra um then yeah maybe this album's for you i like this clip i like the song in general i think minefield's a great song Mm -hmm. Uh, i like this clip that we chose because we do get these two uh, solos, mm-hmm. you know, and you get the two kind of standout musicians um, of uh, Lowry on keyboards and Hartman on guitar, mm-hmm. and they both get a chance to solo, and they're both shorter solos, right. and they're great complementary solos as well. Absolutely. It's not like one's completely different from the no, other. No, we really get that call and response. They really, yeah. they really sound well together. Mm-hmm. But this is a rock synthesizer solo. Yeah. It's a rock keyboard solo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're responding to is like, I like this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I liked keyboard solos. Well, right. you like this one. This mm-hmm. is you. And Lowry, I would say the other, the other keyboard player that makes me think of this would be Eddie DeGarmo from DeGarmo and Key. Okay. That these are keyboard players who say, you know, I'm not going to be stuck behind a keyboard, doggone it. Sure. I'm coming out front. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to be out there on the front of the stage mm-hmm. interacting with the audience. Sure. And, uh, and so you, you, you get that. Here's mm-hmm. my time to shine, and I'm going to shine. Yeah. As you know, in Captured in Time and Space, you know, John Lowry gets his keyboard solo. Right. You know, gets mm-hmm. his moment to shine, yeah. you know, and um, because he is an equal part of this band. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and he has some virtuosity there. Yeah. I don't think I'm overselling it in this no. case. And, and and I mentioned he built his own keyboard. Right. So he is also a technical whiz, uh-huh. by the way. So uh, hats off, great playing. Right. I really enjoy this this track. Yeah. Well, shall we keep moving? We shall. To you, my first love.
so here we have the first ballad of the album. Yeah, it was inevitable. It was inevitable. Uh, and Petra, from their very early stages, always include ballads. Sure. So this is not something new. Yeah. I do believe that they have one too many on this album. Mm. And if I was going to remove one, this would be the one that I would one. remove. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. I always find myself saying this when I talk about something I don't like. Sure. It was a radio hit for them. Yeah. It was a, the 10th most played song on Christian radio for that year, for 1988. Really? So, you know, it, it, and it was their radio hits, uh-huh. if you can have such a thing in Christian radio. It was their radio play that kind of kept them um, out there in front of the public. Because mm-hmm. um, while they were selling in good numbers, they're not selling in the Amy Grant numbers. Mm-hmm. They're not you know, Michael W. Smith. No, it's only hundreds of thousands of albums, not millions of albums. Right. So they need the radio play to kind of keep things moving. That and touring. They mm-hmm. were a huge touring band. Um, my complaints with this song is one, for a band, this song is pretty much entirely John Lowry. Mm. There is no guitar at all. Yeah. The bass, I would I would bet my, well, not my last dollar, but I would bet the $4 I got in my wallet right now <laughs> <laughs> that even the bass part is played by Lowry on the keyboard. I don't think that's a live bass. Maybe. There's that slide that one point, though. Yeah, but he was really good with the wheel. Yeah, he okay. was re- he was a master at getting all the different things that you can do on the keyboard. So, sure, but right. I could be wrong. Yeah, it could be it could be live bass. Mm-hmm. Um, the drums are are there, but almost non-existent. Pretty, yeah, and going to concerts, um, Petra concerts at this time, and they always I guess they always had, you know, they, they always they always had a ballad. I would say sometimes their ballads are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Thankful Heart. Mm. Off of uh, yeah. Back to the Street, I mm-hmm. think that is a fantastic song. Sure. Um, some of the other ballads I like really well on this album. Mm-hmm. I like More Power to You. You know, as a ballad, um, it's not a top ballad, but it's good. Yeah. Not of this world is a fantastic ballad. Oh yeah. You know, so sometimes they hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so going to concerts, watching Louie play these songs. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting back there, and he's just basically hitting on the hi hat with either a you know a snare hit or a, uh-huh. a rim shot every once a measure, you know. Uh-huh. And the guy would just sit there and do that for the whole song. Uh-huh. And I would think, boy, how bored does he get playing these <laughs> songs? You know. So yeah, I, that's a criticism to me. There, we didn't hear it, but there is a nice little bridge mm-hmm. which kind of changes things up a little bit, right? It hits all the marks. Mm-hmm. I can see why it was a hit. I can see why this would be something that even my parents mm-hmm. would heard here on Christian radio, and they would not be, what is this? You sure. Know? And they were not fans of rock Christian music. Rock, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but, but this would be something that they would not have any problems with. You sure. Know? And the, the, the message is so clear. Yeah. Uh, talk about that bridge real quick for a second. Uh, this line, your banner over me is love. There's another song that goes like that. Was that written after this one or before this one? Well, there's a very old chorus, uh-huh. Your Banner Over Me Is Love, that would be way before this. Sure. You know. But again, it's also a you know, a scriptural concept. So. True. True. You know, talking about first love, you know, one of the scripture references they have uh, for this one is Revelation two nine. Uh, if you know anything about Revelation, you know, this is the um, part where, you know, the writer of Revelation is saying, you know, 
this thing I have against you, I've abandoned the love you had at first. And I was talking with, um, you know, I consider my friend Rich, and, you know, we're going to do a study in Revelation soon. And um, one of the curious parts about this is that biblical scholars are actually pretty divided on what exactly that means, um, that you abandoned the love you had at first. So I think it's kind of interesting... Um, that Petra offers their own sort of interpretation, sort of interpretation. It's a way of taking this. I quite like it. Um, so from their course, you know, because you first loved me, Jesus, you will always be my first love. And so kind of sort of plan words. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, one of their other references, you know, you know, really has this idea that God loves us first. And so we are loving in response. I think that's kind of a neat way to put it. Uh, and so our first love is maybe our most important love. I think that's a neat way to put it. I like it. It represents, I think, a lot of this spiritual depth mm-hmm. behind a lot of the music. You know, like we say, th- even though it's arena rock in style, I would not say it's arena rock in content. Mm-hmm. Tons of thought and spiritual direction behind a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something I really appreciate, even though, yeah, like I said, when I you know, was 14, first listening to this album, I definitely skipped First Love. Uh, but I still think there's a lot you can appreciate here. Certainly if you are a synth player, um, you know, we know a couple of those, they might find some things here musically they really enjoy, but I think lyrically, uh, and in the message, uh, this is still a really neat track. The interesting thing to me with first love is we mentioned it's a ballad. It's mm-hmm. a straight up ballad. It is not a power ballad. Even. No. But I think you could have turned it into a power ballad. Maybe oh, yeah. at yeah. least you could have brought it up for a really big guitar solo. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a, a curious decision because this was written by John Elefante. Right. So he's written power ballads that Baron Cross has done. Sure. He's written power ballads that his own band, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, Mastodon. Mastodon has done. So why not kind of amp this up a little bit, you know, at least for a solo section? Sure. You know, kind of curious decision. I would have liked to hear it because I, you know, Pedro's a band. Yeah. So let's hear the band. And we don't really hear the band on this. But on the other hand, uh, how many Christian radio hits have you written? You know. <laughs> and would it have been a Christian radio hit with the big guitar solo? Uh, yeah, would it have, have scared yeah. away? Uh-huh. And again, I'm, you know, mentioned growing up in northern Michigan. Uh-huh. And so I'm not getting Christian radio stations out of Chicago, right. which would play yeah, at probably. least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more approachable Christian rock. Sure. They were not doing anything like that. It yeah. was all pretty mellow fare. Yeah. And so, yeah, you throw in a Chris, you know, big guitar solo, mm-hmm. and they might go, nope, yeah. nope, nope, that, not doing that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. So probably the right choices were made. Mm-hmm. But as we said, you know, we, um, you know, we're trying to be critics of sort, and mm-hmm. so we tell what we like, what we don't like. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, Nah. This would be ripe for that. Sure. I would like to hear it. You yeah. Know? And we know they can do it. Well, yeah. You know? it, Bob Hartman is one of my favorite guitar players. For sure. Certainly. I don't know if he's a top 10 because there's some great ones out there. He's a top 20 guitar player for me. Yeah. Um, anybody who can be an active musician for 35 to 40 years, yeah. you know, in terms of still writing stuff. And he plays a guitar solo, not on every album, but 80% of the songs on every album have a guitar solo. Yeah. And he doesn't really repeat his tricks over and over again. No. So, you know, somebody could compute how many minutes 
or hours of guitar solos Bob Hartman has recorded over the cor course of his career um, is pretty amazing. You sure. know, so. And if you uh, are bored enough to do that, please uh, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> comment in the uh, comment section below on our Facebook page. We'll get it in. <laughs> now, before we get to Defector, okay. is this the right placement for First Love? Well, I, I think you have to put it here. Mm -hmm. um, because... You, you know, like we talk about album turners. If this had been the last song on side one, that would be a, would be a mistake. It's definitely not an album turner. And I like having all fired up, hit you where you live, minefield. Yes. Three in a row. Generally, and we saw this with Striper, mm -hmm. the penultimate song on your first side, that's a good spot to put your, your, put your ballad. Yeah. Right. Now, I might have preferred uh, one of the ballads from side two. Sure. If you bring over. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but if you bring open book mm. and you drop open book right here, mm -hmm. we might be talking about perfect album side. Okay. That's, you know, just in terms of, wow, what a great album side. Sure. Um, but, you know, First Love kind of, after three, just, you know, absolute rockers. Or the other thing I thought before is maybe do Stand in the Gap as your third song mm. and then go to first love because you've kind of brought it down sure. a little bit for instead of going from three all-out rockers into a really mellow ballad yeah so but it's absolutely i think the right place mm -hmm. and then we get to an album turn without a doubt oh yeah On the other hand, I think the palate cleanser helps. Um, so you're ready for this, uh, again, an all-out rock song. Mm -hmm. um, really just doesn't pull any punches. And, uh, again, has that feeling where it just keeps moving. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, continue to see why I think this makes a, a great morning song, a great uh, workout song, or a great album, excuse me, a great workout album, great uh, morning commute album. Also, you know, I think that this overall tone, you know, leading back to what we talked about in our, our archaeological dig, you know, we have this spiritual warfare imagery, you know, and, and Defector, and you can uh, talk more about that, but, you know, it definitely has um, this aggressive tone to it. We didn't get the intro, right. but the intro is fantastic, this guitar part, and, mm -hmm. and I would say that this is probably the first one that is almost kind of metal. Yeah. Right? A metal guitar. Mm -hmm. Now, is it rockier than Minefield? I don't know, because Minefield starts with that uh, kind of primal scream right. <laughs> as well. But it's a it's a really rocky song. I think start know? to finish, Defector is harder. Okay. And, and without a doubt, this is the hardest rock mm -hmm. side that Petra has ever put out. Oh, yeah. You know, one, two, three, four out of five songs on this first side are, are just... 
you know, all mm-hmm. out rockers. You sure. Know? And um, I mentioned I had posted a. Uh, on Facebook a while back, I was listening to This Means War, mm. and I had posted a little comment that uh, Petra and Elefante teaming forces was the best thing that ever happened to Christian Rock. Mm. And you hear it again. It's yeah. This is just, this is just fantastic. It's just great. I say fantastic yeah. too often. Mm-hmm. This is just excellent music. Right. You know, excellently played, excellently mm-hmm. produced, clean production, yet super heavy. Now, a word about Defector, Mm -hmm. right? So, 1988, Mm -hmm. uh, Berlin Wall has not fallen yet. No. Pretty close. Um, Soviet Union will not collapse until 91. Right. August of 91. So, it's a Mm -hmm. couple years before that. And so, this, this... concept of defection is still very much in the minds of teens like myself sure going back earlier when the the when the olympics were in los angeles Mm -hmm. the russians the soviet union boycotted the los angeles olympics okay now their reason for doing it they said was we could not guarantee their athletes safety okay uh, pretty much everybody in America believed that they didn't want to come here because they were worried about the athletes defecting mm. and what that would, um, the negative press that it would sure. say about the Soviet Union. Yeah. Because they're selling the Soviet Union as a worker's paradise. Right. And meanwhile, they're dealing with defections. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is a common parlance, if you will, to the yeah. 80s, this concept of defecting. Yeah. Here... You've defected from the enemy, mm-hmm. right? You know, but you're still behind enemy lines, right? right. So all that um, worldview warfare language—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about it a little more in depth later on, but sure. it's very much a big part of what what they were doing, and even before this means war, they definitely amped it up on this meets war and mm-hmm. on fire. But in the mid '80s, uh, Petra's concert gear was fatigues. It oh, was really? camo, you yeah. know. Um, and so the album cover of "Never Say Die," mm-hmm. you know, is a guitar that's or a battleship that's been fashioned into a guitar, mm. right? So you have that concept of warfare going on even then, right? Yeah. But anyway, just add a little bit of cultural yeah. distinction there of, of that term and being used at that particular time in history. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we still know what the word means. Sure. But I don't know that it has the same impact on a teen today as it would in the 80s. No, I don't think so. So we use the term a lot. Um, but we're, we're looking at vinyls. Right. And I don't... We probably don't even have to ask it, but we will anyways. Is this an album turner? I think it is. <laughs> it definitely is. It's a great album turner. Um, I had this on CD first before I had it on vinyl. Okay. This is one of the early CDs I had. and But even then, it felt like that was the end of a side. Mm-hmm. And then Council of the Holy, which we're about to play, mm-hmm. sounded like a new side you yeah. know, to an album. So let's, let's hear Council of the Holy. All right. darkness 
would make pretty much any best of Petra album for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... I'm fairly certain it is on their best of. Yes, but yes. if I make <laughs> You're my own, it's, you know, it's a John Lowry pen tune, uh-huh. um, so the keyboard takes a little more front center stage, especially in that intro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get you know, down to the nice quiet part. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is a rehash of Carry On My Wayward Son. It's a very different feel. Sure. But you get that same sort of thing of like a big intro, come down to a piano verse, and then launch back up mm-hmm. into the chorus. I love the choices. I love the decisions. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, to me, it's a great song. It mm-hmm. launches this side too perfectly. It's, right. it's absolutely the best place for this song. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, one thing I tell my you know my worship teams I work with, you know, any band can build a song in one direction. You know, it's really easy to start low and get big. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to start big and get quiet. Really good bands know how to get a hump in there. Mm-hmm. To start big, mm-hmm. get quiet, get big again, or even start quiet, big, quiet, mm-hmm. big. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great bands know how to bring the volume down but keep up the intensity and i think there's a great song where you still have that intensity you know there's light burning in the darkness even though it's just piano um i i i think you do still have that a lot of that is with jonathan's vocals and we talked about that earlier um he really is just able to keep you engaged mm-hmm. even though you're not sitting there um you know in the audience looking at him i think you can still hear him trying to draw you in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with his vocals. I think yeah. he does it um, absolutely really well. Well, he has a couple different tones. We didn't talk yeah. about this. We certainly could have. Mm-hmm. There might be times where if you just pulled a song out, like two different Petra songs, right. and you might go, well, those are two different singers. Sure. Well, no, because he is able to dial back that distortion, dial back right. that, and do something a little more tender, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, boom, bring it back. You know, yeah. and this this song, you get it kind of within the same song. And yes. I think that's what pulls you in. Mm-hmm. He pulls back a little bit, and that gives him room to go, you mm-hmm. know, using his voice as an instrument. Yeah, so. you know, and I think, you know, we talked a little bit before, you know, we have some of this call and response um, sort of uh, sections. You know, I think, you know, we bring it down in the verse because you know, the words are being very vague there is a light a book a morning light you know you, lo- lots of questions okay what is it what is it uh the chorus breaks in well this is what it is yeah, yeah. does it actually tell you uh, i don't know but uh <laughs> we can do get the written word of god again this one is i was not patient enough to read the lyrics when i first read it so i always thought this was council c-i-l 
Council of the Holy as if a group of <laughs> holy people. A group of people, yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. Um, that's just how I always heard it. I never bothered to look up the lyrics. Um, so if that's what you thought this song was about, you're not alone. Let's move on. Somebody's going to praise his name. Well, somebody has to. critiquing first love i think this is what we wanted to hear okay i i, I think you know you this, have this much i don't know if i uh, wanted first love to become a you know a full rock a full yeah. rocker. but i think it proves what this band's capable of okay we can have an extremely because the beginning gotcha. of somebody's gotcha. gonna praise yeah, them yeah that fits with first love. Mm-hmm. Um, I would absolutely, you know, you played those two things side by side. You know, they almost sound like the same okay. song. All right, I'm, I'm following you now. Yeah, yeah. And now we get, okay, we can end that section. We have a drum break. And then, you know, we, we do the A section again with a new feel. I think it's kind of fun. I think it makes you want to praise his name. You know, again, with all, all fired up, you know, it's makes you want to get into this spirit. Um, to sing praise and worship, you know. So somebody's gonna praise name. Somebody's gonna call him Lord. Either be you or me, or it's gonna be a rock or a tree. Uh, I have a feeling it's either gonna be you or me if you're listening to the music at all. But I think this just fits into more of this category of fun music that just keeps moving. I don't think it's one of the tent poles of this album, but it's not filler either. Okay. Um, I use ten poles lovingly. I, 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 I would agree. I would say yeah. It's not a ten pole. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 I it's think, not essential to this album. Sure. You know, you're not gonna play it and go. This is what you need to understand about Petra at this time period. Right. right so. Um. But you know, compared to some other albums where you know we had some clear, oh, these are the best songs, and then we have you know ones who are not great. I think. This is a very solid contender for the display case, and we'll get to that more later. But I think the display case gets very hard because this is your quote-unquote filler song. Mm -hmm. That even the songs that aren't the most rocking on the album are still really good. And I I just like it. All right. I'm going to have a little bit different take on this song. Okay. Now, it's been a while since we've recorded, right? So, because we recorded the day after Thanksgiving, and we are now after Christmas. Right. Um, I've listened to this album at least eight times, mm-hmm. and I've listened to it how many times? A hundred times before that. I don't know. You know, years, yeah. over yeah, over over thirty five years, yeah, yeah. I have listened to this album many, sure. many, 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 many times. Yeah, but I've listened to it at least twice a week now for a month, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I would say originally that this is a throwaway track okay. for me. This is a song where I'm like, ah, you know, ah, uh, mm-hmm. it's filler. It's yeah. filler. One, I would say it is not. Bob's 
best lyric writing. Sure. You know, it's going to be you, or it's going to be me, or it's going to be a rock or a tree. Uh-huh. You know, that could be on uh, a kid's worship album, you yeah. know. But then again, you've written as many songs as Bob is. Maybe you don't hit it out of the park every time. Sure. However, here's my big however. Okay. After listening to this eight times, it's now a really fun song. Yeah. And I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. And and I would say, I'd still say it's a filler, but it's pretty good filler. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not terribly imaginative. Mm-hmm. There's a bridge part we didn't get to, which right. I really like. I think mm-hmm. it takes the song to another level. And then we get a really good guitar solo by Bob. Right. And then that takes us, you know, launches us back into the mm-hmm. into the chorus again. Yeah. I could do without kind of the the section at the end where we kind of fade out on the synth. Yeah. You know, it's almost like two obvious bookends. But sure. I also started to listen to a song and kind of imagine... Now, when I play guitar, I'm not a low-strung guitar player, okay. right? I, I play it more around my belt, okay. right? maybe sure. a little bit higher, yeah. um, unless I'm playing what I would consider kind of punk, okay. right? And really, when you look at this, I mean, I know mm-hmm. this is a rock band, right? Mm-hmm. It's a hard rock band bordering on metal at times Mm -hmm. but this is really a punk song yeah you know rhythmically right and this would be the song that you would put your guitar all the way down so it's on your uh on your thigh Mm -hmm. and you just it's just downstrokes you know and you're just letting it fly Mm -hmm. um and that's the way and so as i listen i'm going this would be really fun to play i think so you know yeah um so all that to say for 35 years, I've kind of thought, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. And now after listening to it over and over and over again, I go, actually, I really like this song. Mm-hmm. It's a fun song. It's not the most insightful lyrics in the world. Right. You know, it is right out of the book of Matthew, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I obviously can't complain sure. about it, <laughs> you know. Um, and in general, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that I used to think side two I thought side one was the great side, and side two was... Was okay. Council of the Holy's great, mm-hmm. and then uh, kind yeah. of... And I found a new respect for, really, yeah. this whole side of the album. Okay. Which is one of the fun things about this. Sure. Doing this, is, is revisiting and and really listening to something and, and mm-hmm. kind of diving in, in a way that I haven't, even though I've had this album for decades. Sure. So... Yeah. I think I would agree with you that it's simple, but I think a lot of its strength is in simplicity. Sure, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. and as much as... You know, Patrick really knew how to uh, have complicated guitar licks or complex and deep lyrics. They did know how to write something simple and singable. Yeah, and that's probably how it's so different, mm-hmm. is there's no riff. Yeah. Right? There's mm-hmm. n- there's no clever riff like we're used to hearing from, from Bob. This is just, here are the chords, let's let her rip. Right. You know? The next album that Petra would put out is The Rock Cries Out. We talked about it briefly in mm-hmm. the Archaeological Dig. It's that praise album. Right. Now, Petra has a tradition of doing praise songs going back to Greg Vols. Right. Greg Vols usually wrote the praise songs. Gotcha. So this is staying with that theme sure. of including a praise song. Yeah. And then the next album they're going to do is let's do a praise album praise for teens. Sure. Right. And now we're used to praise songs that are rock songs. Right. I can tell you, growing up, particularly in a charismatic church in the 80s, we weren't doing no. rock and roll worship uh-huh. at all. Right. Right? 
I can remember when we had drums one time mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning, probably 83, 84. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Grandpa Bergen had a problem with ah, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and he liked Elvis. He liked the Beach Boys. Uh-huh. But drums didn't belong on the platform on Sunday morning. Gotcha. He really was not happy about that. And he was an elder in the church. Sure. So oh, yeah. now, mm-hmm. you know... Presbyterian churches have drummers sure. on the stage, yeah. and everybody does it now. No yeah. one thinks twice about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a little more, uh, uh, a little more questionable. As we've mentioned, Petra is writing to Christian teens, mm-hmm. and so we're providing praise and worship songs that encourage them to praise and worship, encourage them to lift the you know lift the Lord's name on high. To sure. use one uh-huh. of the songs that would be in in the, the rock song. cries out, yeah. you know, so. To me, this fits into what they've done and where they're going as a band. I feel bad that we haven't talked about Ronnie Cates, sure. but this is a great song to do it because it's some yeah. really great bass playing. Sure, uh, it moves along nicely, mm-hmm. but we also hear the other thing that he does, which is he just knows how to play eighth notes on the root. Yeah, which is what we've heard him mostly do. Is he just is driving this? Mm-hmm. And and uh, Mark Kelly was a very good bass player, as yeah. I mentioned. Um, but Ronnie Cates brings a little more of a harder edge to his bass playing a little more driving that song syncing up with those uh downstrokes on the guitar on the rockers mm-hmm. you know and on this one providing that movement between the chords sure you know um i also really enjoy the synth uh parts that have been added in mm-hmm. here I'm not going to try and, and sing them for you, but you know you can go back and listen to it. it again, it adds color, it adds depth. Um, we haven't talked much about Louis, but I think Louis really playing a nice part here. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's a ballad, but it's a it's a down song. Yeah. But I think it's really enjoyable, mm-hmm. uh, and I I like it quite a bit. I mentioned that Bob Hartman's a good lyricist, mm-hmm. and he keeps these metaphors constant. Mm-hmm. So this is open book, you know, and we get to the bridge and it's cover to cover lord you know me and what i want to be as you read the pages of my heart please tell me what you see mm. you know so we're keeping that that whole uh metaphor of the book going mm-hmm. right? i love that moment musically and i love mm-hmm. it lyrically yeah that then goes into another synth solo mm-hmm. you know which is a, a nice synth solo mm-hmm. for this um and uh fits the song very well yeah, I do think it's interesting. You know, with several of these songs, we are starting to see more and more of the modern worship music template. Ah, uh, you know, I had before. Chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, bridge tr- transition, interlude, right. solo. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't have too many guitar solos, you know, except when you and I are playing worship. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> then you, you know, reprise the chorus, and mm-hmm. um, at a very basic level, that tends to be a lot of what we see. 
I think Petra's influence is really impossible to overstate. Certainly, uh, as a massively popular band, um, I think they had a large influence on this style, mm-hmm. or um, large influence on this format, mm-hmm. and just this way of doing music. Right, yeah. You know? They were arguably the biggest Christian band of the 80s. Yeah. They would continue that influence for a couple more albums, and then it would start to die out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as other bands, Jars of Clay, yep. um, DC Talk, mm-hmm. Newsboys would yep. kind of... And then you have what I would say you you split at that point, and then mm-hmm. you have the um, Mercy Me bands like that, etc., um, which are probably more aligned with the worship side of things. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, so at this point, uh, everyone wants to be Petra, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. Not that everyone wants to sound like Petra, but you want to reach that level. Right. For a band that never tried the crossover, mm-hmm. right? They never said, let's go see if we can appeal to the world. Right. Um, they were a pretty big selling band, right? you know? And at one point, you know, really, it's only Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, you know, people like that are, are outselling them. Mm-hmm. Now we have the last rocker on the album. Yes. So let's go ahead and launch into it. This is Stand in the Gap. This is, um, I'm fairly certain, uh, the first song that really launched me um, into my love for Petra and started um, started me on this path to, to really uh, acknowledge and appreciate a lot of this great music. So I think musically there's so much going on here. Um, I have a feeling we're going to like a lot of the same things, so I'll let you hit on a lot of those for a song that's all about prayer. It doesn't use the word prayer until the bridge. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that implies prayer, and if you really listen to it, he will hear you when you seek his face, put your weapon to its use and believe it will produce. If you know it's prayer, it makes sense. It's interesting looking at their scripture references, because they have uh, Ezra 22, 1 Timothy, and James, and I would need to research this more. But I um, was reading a book by Greg Boyd recently, and um, he talks about the power of prayer. And he brings up this stand-in-the-gap imagery. I want to say it was from Jeremiah. I was expecting it to be here on Jeremiah, mm. so that's why I didn't look it up. Um, maybe we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up later, and I'll post it in the comments. So stay tuned for the Facebook page. <laughs> but it's this imagery um, where you know, God is saying through his prophets, you know, before the fall, of uh, Jerusalem. If someone would stand in the gap, um, then this crisis can be averted. Mm -hmm. And so what what Greg Boyd is arguing for is that prayer has the power to drastically change world events. Mm -hmm. Disagree with them whether or not. Um, I think it's 
a really fascinating way to just talk about prayer. And it does use this spiritual warfare imagery Mm -hmm. that prayer is a weapon. It's not just something nice to do before meals and before you go to bed. Um, you know, put your weapon to its use and believe it will produce until all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think this song really gets that marriage that we've talked about with a lot of other songs of really hard-hitting music with some really hard-hitting uh, words. And, yeah, I this, this is probably my standout. Uh, it, probably nostalgia feeds into it a fair amount, but this is probably my standout track from the album. So you stole a little bit what I want to talk about. Oh, okay. But not the big discussion. Okay. But you you kind of introduced it. All right. So I was listening to another podcast recently because okay. I've been kind of looking for podcasts on Christian rock. Okay. Uh, still haven't really found one that's doing what we're doing. Sure. So I'm still, still fairly confident that we've got a, a niche here mm-hmm. that at least... 20-some people like, because that's how many are in our Facebook group. Right. Please join our Facebook group if you listen to our <laughs> podcast, so we right. know who you are, we know that you're out there. Also, I should it's obligatory to say, like and subscribe, right? right? You know, that's how we're going to get into the metrics and pop up more often when people right. search for this. But it was uh, somebody talking about Christian Rock uh, from more of a, if if you will, NPR perspective. It okay. wasn't an NPR production, but it, it had more that of that sort of, feel yeah. you know, to it. And they were really s- blaming, they didn't necessarily use judgmental terms, but okay. kind of blaming Christian music a bit uh, for some of the militant approaches to the Christian right. Mm. And they said, you know, it, it, that this music developed this uh, warfare imagery, mm-hmm. you know, this concept of, you know, us against the world. Right. And we've even talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. today, you know, yeah. and the defector and, sure. and leaving the world behind, etc. Mm-hmm. So we have this section here with Stan in the Gap where he says, you know, put your weapon to its use. Mm-hmm. And... I thought, you know, this is the sort of thing where they would, they didn't use this song, but they would Mm -hmm. look at songs like this and they would say, this feeds right into the Second Amendment talking Uh points of the Christian right of having your gun. Uh And I'm like, on the one hand, I'm like, no, Uh if you understand the spiritual subtext going on here, the weapon that you're putting to its use is prayer. Right. Right? We are not putting a physical weapon to its use. Mm-hmm. You know, get on your knees and fight like a man. Right? right. This is Petra's thing. Uh-huh. Is it's it's this is spiritual, right? This is spiritual warfare. You know, they would say that you know, don't think they say this in a song, but uh we you know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Mm-hmm. This is a spiritual battle. Right. So on the one hand I would say no, you know, as a person who grew up in that that Mm -hmm. time period, I understood that this was not a physical struggle. Mm -hmm. So I do not draw a straight line from this to January 6th armed conflict against the forces of evil. Uh However, I still want to ask the question and talk about it for a minute. Does this concept of spiritual warfare feed into this idea that we are at war with evil forces mm-hmm. and 
that becomes then applied to a political lens or a social, the war on Christmas, right? all the different things that we see. Is it fair in some ways to say these people, people like myself, mm-hmm. were raised on a steady diet mm-hmm. of spiritual warfare, using your weapon, standing against the enemy, mm-hmm. and now everything is applied to this concept mm-hmm. of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Is it a fair critique? Yeah, I think there's certainly a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. You know, something we talk about um, with biblical wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that um, wisdom is not always applicable the same way in all situations. Okay. You know, so like in the Proverbs, I forget the references, but there's one proverb that says, uh, you know, answer not a fool according to his folly. And then there's another proverb that says, answer a fool according to his folly. You know, (laughs) what do I do with that? Well, it's because sometimes you should and sometimes you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And wisdom gives you the key from when to do which. Um, And I think spiritual warfare... Um, is good for a complacent crowd. Okay. Um, you know, and I, um, you know, as a college student, you know, we at a private university, we have chapel, you know, and I was in a chapel service. I want to say it was just last spring with one of our theology pro- professors, and he gave a speech on spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. and we are at war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for um, a lot of today's, um, college students, you know, a lot of Generation Z are starting to come into college. Generation, you know, I'm a, uh, I work in youth groups, you know, I'm starting to get Generation Alpha kids. And I think spiritual warfare is a key uh, message to wake them up that Christianity is a lot more than going to church. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot, you know, a lot more, you know, prayer is a lot more important than bless the food and pray it ain't poisoned, you know. Um, on the other hand, wisdom tells us that some people take it too far and that it becomes really easy instead of just fighting against spiritual forces like, oh, there's evil forces, there are people who inhabit those evil forces, therefore those are evil people and we should be opposed to the evil people. Yeah, I think that is a valid critique. So just to be uh, upfront with the audience here, we try as much as we can not to talk too much about our critiques ahead of time. Okay, so we we try and leave that for this moment so that our interaction as is as organic as it can be. Right. So it's a real discussion, mm-hmm. not a planned discussion. We'll talk about a couple little details, sure. but we really try and leave that away. So I completely threw this at David. He mm-hmm. did not have a chance to look up verses. <laughs> um, we do not have uh, um, research assistants right. to do this stuff. So uh, you know, please understand that. Our, our biblical knowledge is fairly good, but we are not biblical scholars. Sure. Uh, I went to seminary. You're probably, probably. going to seminary. You're yeah. still in the midst of deciding that, yeah. but that's definitely yeah. where you're leaning. Mm-hmm. So we're not um, complete novices when it comes to this, sure. but but we're also not encyclopedic. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I, I think that there's some validity to it. Uh, I think that it takes some wisdom, mm-hmm. you know to separate that out. The big thing, and we try not to be political, this is not about being political and our our own political position is, um, I do worry 
about people who have done exactly what you said is mm-hmm. we've gone from the spiritual warfare to really now it's physical warfare. Right. Right. And they completely forgot about the fact that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. Right. And all of a sudden the spiritual struggle has become a struggle against people mm-hmm. or Hollywood or a political party. And all of a sudden those people are evil. Right. And I've absolutely heard that. And I'm like, mm, that's not my take on these passages right. at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's leaving any issue aside as no, I have not been called to wage a war against people. Yeah. That's absolutely not, you know, I, I'm I'm just opposed to that kind of thinking. Sorry. Sure. Hope we don't lose too many listeners for that. <laughs> but you know, that's where I'm at with how I understand those those passages. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now, but I, I just, when I was listening to that, it, it brought back to mind that whole podcast, and I thought, well, let's talk about it. Let's, there sure. you go, Alex Anholt, there's a little bit of depth for you. <laughs> so. and, and as you get off your soapbox, we'll let Patrick get back on theirs uh, with almost few. <laughs> Absolutely. So here we have the second true ballad, ballad of, of the album. Yeah. I think this is the better ballad. Yeah. Lyrically and musically. Mm-hmm. It was not the hit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe somewhat because of the political slash social sure. uh, comment on mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, I, I enjoy this more. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> again, I think this is all keyboard. Even yeah. the drums on this one, I think, are stuff programmed. And it mentions in the and the liner notes that John Lowry did programming. So mm-hmm. what that usually means is someone is going in and programming drums, programming, sure. you know, uh, a percussion. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing this is all John Lowry. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> obviously with John Schlitt singing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, this is a political social, and I think it's their first one. Okay. Uh Particularly where they're stepping really outside the church and looking at an issue outside the church. Yeah. This would start to make a name for themselves, in particular in the farm community, hmm. where a lot of, right at this point, people are losing their farms. Sure. They're losing their livelihood. They're mm-hmm. really, really struggling. Yeah. And they saw Petra. Petra's from Indiana. Mm-hmm. They're from a uh, grain basket state, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so. They're seen as understanding, to some degree, the plight of these people who are losing their homes, losing their lives, um, losing their livelihood, I should Mm -hmm. say. And so for probably four or five years, Petra played at Farm Aid, Mm. which, um, unlike uh, Michael Scott, it is not (laughs) about um, uh, giving aids to farmers, right? (laughs) It was to help the farms, Uh right? And... um, and it was it was pretty big for a while, and it would actually be televised, and Petra would be on 
you know, uh, whatever station, you know, mm -hmm. one of the networks was playing Farm A to usually be in the summer sometime around right. the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And there you could watch Petra. Mm -hmm. And they would always do Homeless Few, yeah. you know. Um, I think the message is outstanding. Mm -hmm. I think it runs counter to what a lot of people want to think about, almost like that self-help gospel, mm -hmm. right? That if you just work hard enough, mm -hmm. you know, the only reason you're homeless is because you're lazy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you wanted a job, you could have a job, right? That whole, what I would call, quote, gospel, mm -hmm. which really has nothing to do with the gospel message at mm -hmm. all and what Jesus has to say about the homeless and what the Old Testament has to say about the homeless. Yeah. And so... Petra's being thoroughly biblical here. Mm -hmm. And again, they've got scripture verses to point you to like, this is where the Bible tells us that this is how we should treat yeah. people who are homeless. Mm -hmm. And it, it says, you know, it, it puts it you know squarely in a political issue that under the red, white, and blue, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's right down the street in our view. It's there. Sure. So what are you going to do mm -hmm. to shelter the homeless few? The sad part to me is 35 years later, I don't think as a church we're doing any better than we did better. then. Yeah. We're not talking about things that are going on in Soviet Russia or in third world countries. It's here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is supposed to be the good one. Um, so, yeah, that, that's definitely a commentary. I think there is a temptation. I think it's wrong, but I think there's a temptation to look from Stand in the Gaps like, oh, okay, what Petra's telling us is we need to pray just for pray, the homeless. Just pray. Just pray for them. Yeah. Uh, Thoughts no. and prayers are coming your way, homeless people. <laughs> yeah. I'll even I'll even change my Facebook. But temporary uh, profile pic. Yeah, just for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not what they're saying. No, no. And, and I think Petra lived out that testimony, especially you know with their work with groups like Compassion International and, and all these other charity organizations that they work with. They clearly believe that there are real, tangible things we can do mm -hmm. uh, to help the homeless people. Yeah. So they yeah. say multiple times, we're not doing all we can do. Yeah. You know, it's up to me, it's up to you, you know. Um, and as influential as Petra was, that message didn't get through like it should have. Yeah. You know, and um, so I would really encourage, if you know Petra and you've never really visited the last song on this album, mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. And, and as I said, I really gained a appreciation for side two. Mm -hmm. And the first time I listened to this, what, a week after Thanksgiving, whenever you introduced it, mm -hmm. um, even when I got to side two, I'm like, ah, you know, I, I guess we'll go ahead and launch right into our rock scale. Sure. I was originally going to give this a shale. Okay. Okay. And here's what I thought is like, seems really hard, mm -hmm. but you put it under too much pressure, that thing cracks. Yeah. That thing breaks, mm -hmm. you know? And then the more I listened to it, I started to give, you know, I started to let my presuppositions and my prejudices aside and mm -hmm. really kind of take in what was being said lyrically, musically, etc. And I came back around and I said, you know, this thing's igneous. Yeah. It wasn't bound to be igneous with a title like On Fire? I don't know. Uh -huh. But really... Every song is really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, First Love is still the song I could do without. Yeah. You know? Um, and I have reasons for that, mostly from a musical perspective. I just mm -hmm. think they could have done so much more with it than they did. Right. It was written for Christian Radio at the time. It yeah. did what it was supposed to. Right. So, okay. Um, but yeah, to me, this is an igneous uh, record. I'd absolutely agree. Igneous rock. Yep, igneous for me too. I think you see that, you know, 
in you know music that is just on fire, but in so many of these lyrics that I think are have really been born in fire. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, and hey. you know, it's just like has this um, deeper quality to mm-hmm. it. So like uh, open book and homeless few and first love to an extent, you know, I, I think there is still a really deep spiritual depth to it. Um, that shows incredible strength, uh, behind a lot of it. So yeah, I really, I know we had a lot of, yeah, I don't know a lot. We had a number of critiques for some different songs this album, but I think overall this is really a standout. Yeah. Album. If you like hard rock, like Christian hard rock is a good album to have. Yeah. Now we got a little out of track because right. it just it fit it, it just flowed. Sure. So let's do our, our display case analysis. Yes. Or display case selection, excuse me. So my display case, um, I think you have to have fired up. Okay. Um I really like Defector. I think I it, I think that one makes the list. I think I'm skipping Minefield. I really like it. It but I think Defector is just more start to finish rock song mm-hmm. um, that I think it really does it for me uh, I love Council of the Holy I know we talked about that a lot uh, somebody's gonna praise his name that one okay. does that one fits it for me um, I think it's simple but I think it really um, yeah it's enjoyable in its simplicity I think and then Stand of the Gap uh, absolutely that one not yeah absolutely makes my display case that will, would be on any playlist of um Christian rock music, or really, yeah, some Christian music mm-hmm. um, from all time. Okay, uh, you know, you you added a few more okay. than you typically have, but yep. that's okay. It's your yep. display case. Right. Fill it up with whatever you want. Yep. So, what are my? And I've been doing the top shelf, second shelf, so sure. I'll continue with that. Sure. Council of the Holy. I'd probably already tip my hand there. That's a top top shelf. Absolutely. So, what else goes with it? And I'm probably going to go with Hit You Where You Live. Okay. So I'm going to go a little different than you. I like All Fired Up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know whether I like Hit You Where You Live more than All Fired Up or mm-hmm. vice versa. They're a great one-two punch. Mm-hmm. But that second punch, mm-hmm. just to me, really, really... Uh, it's hard-hitting, you know? You know, and so, I'm really not a guitar player. Okay, and I think, so that could I think be part of it. You know, the riffs get you a little bit more than they that, get me. That's probably a, a fair... Yeah. yeah, And then second, um, I got to go with Stand in the Gap, too. I was, try- I, I was even now thinking, can I go with a different one? But uh-huh. I think Stand in the Gap is a really strong song. And then I'm going to say Homeless Feel. Okay. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the lyrics, the message is one I can really get behind, yeah. really enjoy. Um, it is to me their best ballad from this album. Okay. So, over. Is this a classic? Is it collection worthy? Yeah, I mean, man, how can I say it's not? You know, I making the. I, I can think sure. of a few ways. Maybe a few ways. <laughs> I don't know. For for me, man, I, this one I think runs the line okay. as much as it can. Um, Similar, similar to fireworks. I might be tempted to say no, but you want it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would still say that if you're sitting there thinking it's not a must-have, I think you should still have it. Okay. I think it's a must-have for me. It's absolutely on my wish list. Um, partly for the nostalgia, but I just think there's so many incredible songs on here. Like it's so well done, so well produced. Um, I think anyone would enjoy 
having this one. I think for as far as must-haves, I think you need to have the three peak Petra albums. Okay. You have this one, this means war, and more power to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think if you have those three, you have the peak of Petra. Um, and, uh, and, Petra on vinyl. And uh, with two different singers. Right. So, yeah. So that's, that's not bad. That's not a bad trio. Yeah. I think those are your must haves. Other than <clears> that, <throat> I think we start to get into. Well, if you're a Petra fan, it's a must have. Mm-hmm. Or if you love this specific year, it's a must have. I think whoever you are, if you are claiming to have your classic Christian rock collection, mm-hmm. I think this needs to be in there. I'm going to resist going through all the different reasons why you might have this album. Because sure. we could do that with every single one. Right. You know, so uh, as I already mentioned, I have this. Right. This this is the end. And uh, I had this on CD for years. I got mm-hmm. it a couple of years ago on vinyl. Yeah. Um, and maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, I completed with um, my my Petra vinyl collection. Mm-hmm. So so I'm, I'm going to not go into all the reasons why you might include it. I'm going to be contrarian and say it's not a classic. Okay. And I could argue that it could be. Sure. It should be. And uh-huh. it should be in your collection. But right. just for, for the sake. Yeah. So I think a lot of Petra albums... They come in pairs. Okay. There are kind of two albums together, which are kind of similar in sound and feel. Okay. Whether it's because of the singer or mm-hmm. whatever it might be, there's a few outliers, but you can kind of do that. You know, the first two albums kind of come together, and then mm-hmm. you have "Never Say Die" and "More Power to You," and those are mm-hmm. real similar, etc. Right. Um, uh, Not of this world and beat the system are really both a lot more synth heavy, sure. right? You know, mm-hmm. more of a techno. You know, so you can kind of put those together. Back to the street kind of stands on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of we're finding our way with this new singer, so it right. kind of sounds like an album full of songs that Greg Vols could have sang. Mm-hmm. But hey, we got this new singer, mm-hmm. and then after that album, Bob Hartman's like, oh. I can write these sort of songs because sure. I now have got a rock singer, and right. not that Greg Vols is not a rock singer, right? But I've different. got a I've got a hard rock singer, yeah. you know. So for me, I put um, this means war and on fire, kind of as a, a sure. pairing of albums, okay. And we got similar production, we got mm-hmm. similar themes. Yeah. We've got similar style of music. They're both kind of arena rock. For me, if I'm going to say get one of these two albums, sure. I'm going to say uh, This Means War. Yeah. Um, and interesting that you like On Fire better, because mm-hmm. I would say I like This Means War better. Now, yeah. what I want to do, and I'll probably do it this, this week, mm-hmm. since I have c- consumed a constant diet of this album, is sure. I think I'll drop the needle on This Means War. Yeah. And then say, hmm, let me give it a comparison now and see if I still think it's a better album. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my thought, is, yeah. is that that's the better album. That's the one that if I want to understand this particular arena rock period of Petra, get that one. Sure. So um, it was also genre changing within Christian music. Sure. You know, so it was like, oh, Petra is back and they're doing something very different right you know all right um well you know we're gonna do something we haven't done yet and we're gonna Mm -hmm. stick with petra yeah okay and we're gonna go all the way back to the very first 
Petra album. Very first. Because I thought, let's bookend this thing. Sure. You know, let we know what they became. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they were 15 years earlier. That'll be interesting. And, uh, yeah, we're getting in the Wayback Machine, or we're uh-huh. getting the TARDIS, or uh-huh. whatever, you, you know... Pop culture reference Pop you culture need. reference you need. <laughs> and we're going to hear a very different version of Petra. Yeah. So, uh, looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Definitely introducing this to you. I don't know that you had heard any, have heard any of this. I think I maybe have heard it once, but certainly it's not in my regular rotation. Okay. Um, so... Let's do that. And again, subscribe, like, yep. join our, our Facebook community, all those things. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back as soon as we can. Yep, see you later. Bye. The Father to Son podcast is the sole work and opinions of Jonathan and David Combs. The music clips are for demonstration and educational use only, and the copyrights are not owned by either Jonathan or David with the exceptions of the intro and outro music, which was written and performed by Jonathan Combs.